you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Around the NFL podcast presented by Rocket Mortgage. Join Rocket Mortgage in saying thank you to essential workers by posting a video to everyonenowsahero.com. Everyonenowsahero.com. Let's get to the round one recap. The Around the NFL podcast. Is just trying to get some airtime. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis coming to you from the city filled with heroes and bunkers in prime time. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Ho. Night one in the books. Hey, ho. We're taping this around, it's just before 10 p.m., and I was trying to remind myself not to, like, scream and yell like I usually do during the podcast, because <laughs> my sleeping children are, are only Ooh. about 25 feet away, uh, and then I started the show by going, ho! So. <laughs> what is the, what is the uh, wall situation there? How thick are the walls? Or Is it a real concern right now? It, it's a bit of a concern, because I will not be a popular man, um, you know, with my wife if I wake up the kids that, that get smacked problem. around maybe yeah that'd be a problem <laughs> <laughs> that lighting else make, the lighting makes greg look dangerous he does he looks um i like the look greg i like the look you look um i don't know how to describe it it looks tad, a tad sinister <laughs> uh yes we are coming to you about 20 or so minutes after the conclusion of round one of the 2020 nfl draft the virtual draft and uh despite all of the concerns it went off extremely smoothly i you know i watched the whole thing i maybe missed the last pick when i was starting to get set up here in the garage but it didn't seem like there were any real hiccups in the broadcast and uh, that that is a credit to everyone that uh worked to make this thing happen and i actually even thought and we're going to get into a reaction to obviously all the picks and takeaways from night one uh when we didn't have a trade in the first 10 picks or so i was curious like a lot of people i'm sure if that was directly connected to fears connected to 
hmm. the connectivity of this event. Uh, but then the trade started fast and furious after that. Out goes that theory. Yeah, I thought Lindsay Rhodes put it well. It felt more intimate and less commercial uh, and less massive. To me, it felt like football before instant replay, where you can mm. actually get some momentum going and there's no stops for like, you know, whatever productions they have planned that night. I, I kind of like the way it moved. Yeah, there was a period where I thought that we might be doing this show at uh, maybe, you know, 5.45 p.m., Pacific because it was really rolling there out of the gate. I don't know uh, about somehow, that because they well, they they went 18 minutes past the start of the draft and then started a 10 minute clock on Joe Burrow who had been connected to go to the Bengals for about you know three months now. Yeah, I was a little cons- I I think you know Dan, we were texting back and forth. I, I think there was some general concern about um what the the pace of it out of the gate, but then it you know it it, it caught fire. And Dan, I mean we got it. We're burying the lead here. It is your birthday. Um, Ooh, you're no longer in your 30s, and I know that's been a big um, a point of uh, you know contention with the rest of us. We're all so much older than you. Um, you're officially uh, in our decade now, in our in our time in life. But uh, we wish you happy birthday. It will be like a tough seven or eight months before you guys hit your 50s. Uh, but <laughs> I'm 41 uh, for the record. You know, give me a break. I, yeah, I don't have yeah, I don't have a, a a ton of heat on you guys now because yeah, the 30s to 40s seems like a big deal. I'll always be younger, but um, I'm I'm happy uh, that things worked out the way they did. In a way, the, with the draft being tonight, because it did give me something to look forward to, and it wasn't just another day trapped in a house. Uh, and uh, you know, I I did have a chance. The Santa Ana winds were blowing in last night. And uh, as uh, 11.59 ticked to midnight, I sat on my front step and I, I thought about my 30s, which were insane mm. uh, when I was just going year by year, all the things that happened in my life. Um, so I'm wondering how the 40s will play out. And um, so far, it's uh, it was a good birthday. And I'm uh, excited to talk football with you boys. Well, plus old Joe Douglas wrapped up a nice 368-pound uh, present for you. You know, just like a <laughs> nice good road grader for your giant birthday. Man, that giant mound of humanity. <laughs> and happy birthday, of course, to Simone Sessler, who also turned 40 today. Um, under different circumstances, Mark, maybe we would be on the deck after the show uh, celebrating that, but you know, down the road maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, the the – the overall vibe here was birthday delayed to some degree where we definitely have to um, do something when all this wraps up. But I bought her um, a gift weeks ago uh, that still has not arrived in the mail. Um, so that's a bit of a disaster. And, you know, it was around six or seven hours ago that I deposited her, deposited her um, with our kids to go do the, all of this. So I don't, I'm not sure it's exactly how she thought um, the 40s would uh, begin. But, you know, 40s are a weird time and she's starting to feel that, uh, that same feeling that we feel. All right, let's get to it. And thank you, boys. Uh, there is so much to go through. So I think, uh, uh, do you guys want to hit on like a big picture thought before we get into things? Or do we want to just start cooking through the first round? Uh, you guys, uh, let me know. Let's cook. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I mean, to me, to me, like the one place to start, whether Very it's nice. whether it's like a big thought, you know, that was one thing I noticed. It, it, they did it perfectly, the uh, ESPN <laughs> production, but they uh, they occasionally did have the weight of where no one from the seven box that they had knew when to jump in. Oh, that was and, great, and I felt yeah. I felt their pain. But I, I was gonna say whether it's a big thought or not. To me, this draft's gonna be remembered for Tua ultimately going. 
number five. And I know that's not the first pick. But it, I don't know if you wanted to go in order. Or yeah, not. But to no, me, that that's was a like, good place to that's start. the moment where, okay, that's what we're going to remember out of this draft. Yeah, so Burrow goes one to the Bengals. And what else needs to be said there? That was the, that was the pick that made a lot of sense, even though there were reports earlier in the day that the Dolphins uh, were attempting a uh, trade-up uh, to get to three with the lines and then using more that leverage to try to move up to one and the quote-unquote godfather offer. None of that ever happened. Uh, and then it went chalk, so it went uh, Burrow one, Chase Young two. The Lions stayed where they um, they were at three and, and drafted Jeff Akuda, the cornerback. The Giants, as expected, take the first tackle off the board, Andrew Thomas. Uh, maybe a little bit of a surprise they took Thomas, but again, as we've been reading about and talking to people in the know, that these all these tackles are so close together. There's no really way to know who was the, the number one guy, but for the Giants, it was Andrew Thomas. And then, yes, Tua... Uh, at number five goes to the Dolphins, the guy that had been connected to the Dolphins forever. And I think I mentioned it yesterday on the show that the last week or so of the pre-draft process wasn't exactly kind uh, to to us uh, and people you talk to and what we were reading. But at the end of the day, uh, Mark, the Dolphins stayed right there and they do now have that guy that they could plug in with all these other new pieces around them, say, this is our future and this is the face of the franchise. Yeah, I mean, the day began with uh, you know a lot of whispers of the Dolphins wanting to get up um, you know, into that spot where Detroit was to get ahead of the Giants, potentially, to get the tackle of their choice, which, you know, I get it. That's a very important position, and they addressed that later on. Uh, but to me, you know, I, we had Steve Weish on the show a while back to talk about Tua, and it took me too long, but I got around to reading um, his amazing feature on, on Tua. And it is anyone wondering uh, who the person is should go read this. And Dolphins fans, if you haven't, should go check it out. I mean, it just painted a completely different picture of this player. And, the, and you know, you read these things and you kind of get swept up. I was just like, I cannot believe a team will pass on him based on his current, um, you know, the, the health injury that he's coming off of, the hip injury. Because to me, I think he just has the potential to be just wildly electric and completely change a franchise if you get the upside version of that player. And I'm I'm kind of glad for Dolphins fans who seem to have gone a billion years without really a functional franchise quarterback, unless you were in love with the Ryan Tannehill version um, when he was in Miami. I mean, it's been, I think, 21 quarterbacks since Dan Marino. This could change all that. And I don't know how you go do what they did all season long in the, the organic fish tank that we spent a thousand hours in during the season without coming out of this with a quarterback. So, you know, these are all risks and gambles, but I love that they went for it. I can't imagine them doing the last year and a half any better. I mean, if you think about it, the two big moves they made is, you know, picking up Brian Flores, who won five games with a, a team that they were trying to tank. And now it's getting Tua, who was the guy that they were attached to the whole time. And they traded away all these veterans to get those draft picks. And they didn't have to trade him to go get the quarterback. They got to use him tonight uh, on a couple other players. You know, you mentioned you mentioned the tackle. They took a surprising cornerback at the end. We'll see if those work. But, like, it couldn't have worked any better because Flores looks like the real deal. And Tua, unlike Justin Herbert, is, I think, a unique talent. I listened to, uh, you know, a rare good job by Move the Sticks. I got to I gotta admit, he does mm. a couple pods right around draft time. I think then it ends after the draft um, and just stops for the rest of the He year. goes down to San Diego and right. takes about 10 months off, I believe. Yeah, and so he doesn't cover the NFL at all. But they did. he did this, you know, 360 on Tua. And the most 
interesting part to me was when he had Trent Dilfer on and him and DJ talking about what Tua does best. And they were just talking about his quickness. And they said his eyes are what sets him apart. That he's got the quickest eyes, the quickest decisions, and the quickest release. And it just reminds DJ and, and Dilfer so much of Trent, Drew Brees. And you kind of can't write this stuff that Drew Brees is the guy that Nick Saban passed on. Uh, because of an injury that he didn't want to look past. He goes with Dante Culpepper, and 15 years later, they still haven't found a quarterback, and they take the guy that, that reminds me more of Breeze than anyone else, and it's Nick Saban's guy, Tua Tonga-Vailoa. So they get the guy they were organically tanking for. Right. But they get him at a much higher risk than they planned to a year ago. I mean, this looks like a risky draft to me. Like, this is the high-risk, high-reward team of the draft Austin Jackson a guy a guy uh some scouts seem to think was risky according to Bob McGinn's article and then a cornerback you know late in the first round when they already have what 10 12 cornerbacks on the roster I mean they <laughs> well he's they the team is loaded with quarter corner they have the two highest paid cornerbacks in football and then in their their final first round pick they take a corner who they plan to play in slot most likely but it is still an embarrassment of riches suddenly back there after being completely barren a uh, season ago well it's very similar to the Patriots building from the back to the front and I think a lot of you know some teams are doing that like thinking the secondary matters more than anything but you look at what I think all the buzz happening today and this week and you you got to point to I think the Dolphins kind of doing a good job like whatever this buzz was uh, they convinced enough people that they might take Herbert and this whole trade that they might trade up for a tackle, to me, that was trying to prevent anyone from trading up ahead of them either to take Tua or preventing the Giants from trading that pick because the Giants wanted Andrew Thomas. They're saying, stay right there. We want Tua to fall to us. People didn't really have an idea. And who knows? Maybe Justin Herbert turns out fine, but I feel like there's a Justin Herbert in every draft. Like a strong-armed guy who wasn't really that consistent, wasn't that accurate, but super athletic. I mean, he's probably more athletic than, than Burrow and Tua. Um, but, like, a, you can find those guys. Tua seems like a, a much better chance to be I, the guy. Yeah, and I think to Wes, West, you're right. I mean, Tua is a, a not a boom or bust, but there is an absolute um, noted risk to the point where some teams didn't really even consider him on their board. But if, if they came out of this first round without a quarterback at all, I, it would be hard to understand what the Dolphins were, were attempting to do all along. And I just view the other quarterbacks after, after Joe Burrow just simply not anything. They're just as risky, if not more, than Tua. I mean, I just, I, the I, stuff on Justin Herbert, I just, I don't, I, I'm kind of glad they didn't go in that direction. Well, we'll get to Herbert in one second, uh, who went to the Chargers at six. I, I can't get out of my head the one quote from the personnel man. Uh, in the McGinn piece where he talked about how and Tua, it's not just the hip, which was a career threatening injury that he's not out of the woods on. Uh, they uh, it, it's a situation where they won't know for a year whether that the hip is going to be fully recovered because of the blood flow in that area of the body and all this kind of stuff. But when he gets hit, they say it's like a car crash and certain guys have the ability to pop right up. He is a guy when he gets hit, it seems like it's just like, you know, the end of the world. And as as they were doing the, you know, highlight reel and talking about right immediately after the pick, just cycling through all the injuries in his college years. And now you're going to the NFL where guys hit harder and run faster. I think it was a good pick, but I, I'm to- I am also totally in agreement that it is a boomer bust move. And maybe the Dolphins felt like this was something they couldn't pass up. So I'm not down on the move, and I'm happy for Handsome Hank. Not for Dolphins fans in general, but Handsome Hank in particular. <laughs> uh, but it is a major roll of the dice here. It really is. At number six, yes, Herbert. 
goes to the Chargers. We talked about it on the Twitter show. Uh, I said that the Chargers cannot come out of this draft, and specifically their first pick, without somebody to kind of build this team around. Herbert's the guy they get, and like Greg said, athletic guy. Didn't play so well down the stretch in his final season in Oregon. There are some questions about how he processes the game speed-wise and makes you wonder, is this a guy you can put right into the lineup? Well, now Tyrod Taylor is a good setup for them there because they do have the option to do the 2018 Browns thing and have Tyrod start and then slide in the rookie when it's deemed uh, appropriate. He is the opposite of Rivers. You know, it's like Rivers is the guy who takes too many chances. If Herbert has a criticism other than, you know, kind of inconsistent accuracy, it's that he doesn't take chances. It's that he plays it a little safe, doesn't seem to have the same instincts, certainly doesn't have the same, like, quick mind, I think, that that Burrow and and Tua have. But he's got the physical skill set. He looks kind of like a play-action, old-school quarterback, like big arm. Like, you see these guys come out. He feels a little more old-school, but he's also super athletic. And so I think that probably attracted Anthony Lynn, that he does offer something that they can, he can, you know, be used in the running game, too. From an on-field perspective, he comes into a great situation, a team that upgraded the offensive line with a couple of guys. Uh, the defense, they had Chris Harris and Linval Juice Joseph, and then they had the second first-round pick here in Kenneth Murray, the linebacker. This roster, I mean, w- admitting that there's a huge question mark at quarterback, the rest of the roster just looks like a Super Bowl contender. Hmm. Uh, the next pick was Derek Brown, the defensive tackle. Uh, goes to the Panthers, uh, a serious area of need uh, for Carolina, and a guy that gives them, with Kwan Short there, a really great defensive line uh, that will be hard to move on. Isaiah Simmons, the guy that has everybody conflicted, uh, but a great athlete that played all over at Clemson, goes to the Cardinals at eight. This is right around the time, by the way, as a Jets fan, I'm feeling really good because these offensive linemen are not flying off the board. Uh, like people expected. And then at pick nine, C.J. Henderson, uh, the number two cornerback in this draft class, according to many out of Florida, goes to the Jags, who obviously traded away Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye in the past seven months. Now they bring in the rookie Henderson with huge upside. Thoughts on those picks, guys? I I would say, go ahead, Wes. I thought the the Cardinals stand out to me for adding a blue-chip talent on both sides of the ball to get DeAndre Hopkins on offense and Simmons on defense, um, that to me, that that's what you want in an offseason. Yeah, I, I cannot wait to see Isaiah Simmons. And I, I think it's whenever there's a player that has, um, you know, differing opinions from scouts and there's all this buzz about how do you play him and what systems does he fit in, that could be a great thing too. And I, 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 I for me, I think it's an awesome landing spot. Um, I was kind of blown away also by Cliff Kingsbury's, uh, you know, almost <laughs> Miami Vice-like um, palatial estate, which, you know, Dan, you, you, you made a good point. Is that in Palm Springs? It is in Arizona, I believe. Um, but Yeah, that would make more sense. But it reminds me of some of those, if you ever, if you live in California and you go on Airbnb looking for a Palm Springs house, and just for the F of it, you go look at the higher end houses in, right. in Palm Springs. Oh, That's yeah. what it looks like. And then uh, I asked on Twitter, I said, wait, is Cliff Kingsbury a billionaire? And then I think Robert Klemko responded, dude, Arizona, you have no idea how far money goes, which is probably true. Maybe that's like a, a $200,000 house in Arizona. But it looked like a, a cartel house from uh, Better Call Saul. Absolutely, yeah. He's yeah. not messing around. I don't know if it's if it's the best fit um, 
for the Cardinals. Because you kind of look like I wonder if Cardinals fans, and of course everyone's excited tonight, but you look at Steve Kimes' draft history, he, he took Hassan Reddick, which was the, kind of the guy in that draft. It's like, doesn't have a position. He can do a lot of things, and they they haven't figured out you know what he can actually do. And they took Deion Buchanan, who has kind of a similar skill set, and he had his moments in Arizona, but ultimately, you know, ended up not being like a huge, huge difference maker for them. And they don't, they have Vance Joseph as their defensive coordinator who has struggled. I yeah, mean, but he's, he's a defensive backs guy. And, and I have a feeling Simmons is going to play safety. I mean, Vance Joseph might not be the best defensive coordinator in the world, but I think he knows what to do with a guy like Simmons. Yeah. You got to have a plan for him and, and hopefully they do, but they, they were not good on defense and it's been it's been a while, maybe forever, since Vance Joseph's ever coached a good defense. <laughs> All right. I mean, right? Has he ever <laughs> coached, work. Has he ever coached a good defense? Like when he's the coordinator. Haven't they almost always been basically a You're just a mad problem? because your boy Todd Bowles is the only defensive back-minded defensive Ooh. coordinator you have time for in your life. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. It's a strange shot, but it uh, checks out. And then it did, now that you bring up the... Um, uh, the move that the Cardinals made, and they have DeAndre Hopkins. It reminded me as I'm watching the draft, because we won't really have a chance to bring them up again, the Houston Texans, I noticed it, you know, a theme in this draft, and it happens every year. You trade a guy, you stand out veteran, or you lose him to free agency, and then you use the draft, and you plug that hole with the guy you hope becomes that next guy. And we saw that uh, with the cornerback in Jacksonville, and you saw what the, the Vikings did, replacing Stefan Diggs. Again, if you're a Texans fan, you trade away DeAndre Hopkins, and then when when you're supposed to then take a wide receiver to get all excited about tonight, you don't mm. have a first round pick. Oh, well, you've got uh, Brandon stitch. Cooks and Randall Cobb. Oh, that's right. They're fine. I mean, Dan, you're you're um, you know half your job at NFL Network has been defending Bill O'Brien, so <laughs> you took a strange left turn right there. But I totally agree with your analysis. CJ Henderson is a, is a risky pick too. I think for the for the Jags, like a guy people felt very differently about. And they, they've had a bad history, I, you know, taking Florida players. They took Juwan Taylor, who's kind of been a bust for them so far. Dante Fowler a few years back. I feel like they always take these these UF guys and they don't work out. It's an old-time expression, Mark, but I call it like I see it. I believed in Bill O'Brien, and then he started doing things that I didn't believe in anymore. Mm. I mean, you also, you know, you have immense gravitas now that you're, you're, you know, hours into your fifth decade. So uh, (laughs) I I will listen to anything you say. Well put. Uh, All right. So then the Browns and the Jets are on the board, and uh, they both, as expected by many, especially once the draft shook out the way it did in the first nine picks, take offensive tackles. The Browns take Jedrick uh, Wills Jr. out of Alabama. The Jets take Mekhi Becton out of Louisville. And uh, I texted Mark um, on our uh, friend chain during the draft that nice, solid, no nonsense, no funny business picks from our teams that are usually subjects of ridicule. Hard to get down on either team for making the moves they made here. Yeah, and I reached out to uh, Nick Shook, who I I really think is one of the better um, in our sphere better evaluators of offensive line play. Does a lot of work on that. He's written a lot of columns for NFL.com. Can beat up offensive linemen if it came to it? He could. I mean, he, he probably could step in and play for a couple of these teams. I mean, I asked him, were you surprised that they went with Wills over, you know, the other two or three options there? And he said it was his favorite of all of them, um, you know, which, you know, I think they're, they're all jumbled together and it probably depends on what type of line play or what type of offense you want. Um, but, Kevin Stefanski of the Browns also just remarked that he thought that Wills was a perfect um, scheme fit for the kind of 
uh, offense that they want to, they want to run. And so I think the Browns are happy. And then you look at what the Jets did. And I mean, they, Greg mentioned it, they got a gigantic behemoth and I, they needed it. And so, you know, sometimes with the draft, like you, you want, you want CD lamb, you want, you want all these other guys that maybe fit the profile of like a super sexy, like draft day pick. But uh, the line, if these linemen work out, they've solved immense problems for both teams. He's six seven, three hundred and sixty four pounds, and at the combine, that's like three of Greg and me put together. <laughs> at the combine, he ran a like a five one forty, uh, and I thought uh, Connor Hughes of the Athletic had a tweet that got me excited. Becton doesn't have the potential to be good. He has the potential to be an all world player. You don't find guys that big with that kind of athleticism. There's a little bit of risk. He got flagged for a drug test um, of some kind at the combine, which you know. That is on my radar a little bit. That all depends what kind of drug. I mean, that's you know, right. That's a, true. A wide too. variety of options. There. It was Any, the one. It was the drug that's legal here in California. So I don't think people were too worried. Yeah. You're so talking about marijuana. A little you weed. Say it. Little weed. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm excited. I'm happy with that pick. And now, hopefully, at least for the Jets, I don't know what the Browns do next. That wide receiver that you want. I hope you get that in the middle of the second round. We'll see. Good job, Joe Douglas. Uh, let us move on. So Mark and I are happy. We're feeling good. Weird that our organizations, by the way, Mark, are in this trajectory where three years ago we were celebrating drafting our quarterbacks, and now they both draft the left tackle that's supposed to protect their quarterbacks for the next decade. Maybe these teams will start winning now. That would be great. Well, I would say, right, it's not, here we are. It's April. Um, you know, six months from now, are they going to be zero and four and utter disasters, uh, or can they do change no more. the story a little bit? Change the story. All right, the final, the first wide receiver comes off the board. So the Raiders, the draft could not work out better for them. Uh, a team that was a desperate need, as we talked about, for a wide receiver. When they pick at twelve, they don't have to move, and they get to pick any wide receiver they want coming out of college. They go with Henry Ruggs uh, out of Alabama. Guy with speed. He's a guy that he's uh, exactly what this team needed after the Antonio Brown fiasco. Wes, uh, your thoughts on this move? You can't really. It's hard to knock it. Yeah, it made me think it was a Gruden pick. That this is the kind of guy that Gruden would love to scheme up and do all the stuff before the snap that the Chiefs do with uh, Tyreek Hill. And my second thought was, I hope he's more like Tyreek Hill and, and less like Brandon Cooks. Mm. Brandon it, Cooks was pretty damn good before those injuries started. He is, but Brandon Cooks is a guy we all thought coming into the league was going to be a guy you can use close to the line of scrimmage, okay. like Percy Harvin, and break tackles and do all that stuff, and he ended up being more of a strict downfield guy. And I, I think when you draft a guy like this, you, you want to be able to do both. You want to do the downfield stuff and the and the pre-snap behind the line of scrimmage stuff. I mean, his his speed and his, like, you know, quickness to get off the line is is going to rival anyone in the NFL I mean it might you know it'll be there with with Tyreek Hill and he's had good hands and so that that's why he goes first and of course the Raiders know a million things more than me it's just weird to look at like you know the box box score from the Alabama season and see that Henry Ruggs was their third receiver and had 750 yards and had like 500 yards less than Devontae Smith and 500 yards less than Jerry Judy and he just had so much less production and he's like a return guy and and it'll probably work out and at the very least he has like a very defined skill set that they're going to use but that I don't know that were that weirds me out a little bit the receivers that come in and that everyone's like well they got return ability too like that's where mm. you get into trouble with T- Ted Ginn and Cordarell Patterson and other guys at the top of the draft that have R- a lot of R- speed 
Right. Who had this as the number one wideout coming off the board? I mean, I know he, you know, Ruggs picked up steam definitely later in the process, but I, I viewed this as a pretty big upset. But then there's Mike Mayock, and, and you know, he's he, he definitely is someone that when he falls for a player, I mean, he's committed to it. And, and, and Wes, maybe you're right. Maybe this is a, a Gruden fetish as well. Al Davis would love this pick. It's a very much a Raiders pick. And like all the draft Knicks like DJ had him as like a top 12 player. So it wasn't too crazy. It was just it's just weird to see a guy that didn't produce nearly as much as his teammates. I don't know. That would weird me out. What could be deemed crazy and we'll get to it, is the second uh, Raiders pick, which was the one. Uh, there's always one where the draft Knicks are left scratching their head <laughs> a little bit. And we'll get to that in a little bit at 13. Like I said, no trades in the first 12 picks, but then it starts. Uh, with the Buccaneers um, who trade with the 49, excuse me, the 49ers were at 13. Is that correct? And they trade yeah. with the Bucks. So the Bucks move up one spot. And that actually was, it, it's something I was kind of legitimately curious about. If you're drafting, drafting 14th in the first round, you move up one pick. What, what should that cost you? What's the price? What would be an acceptable price to move up one pick in the middle of the first round of a draft? What would you guess if, if no one told you what the terms were? $300. Uh. <laughs> well, it depends which pick, but yeah, in the middle. This marks first draft. In the middle of the round. <laughs> it's yeah. a fourth round pick. It costs you a fourth round pick in yeah. this case. Anyway, so the Tampa Bay at $300. <laughs> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, three rocks, Danny. Uh, they select Tristan Wirfs, the other uh, offensive tackle of the big four that everybody was talking about. So the Bucks. Man, they, they're having a flashy offseason because not only they get Tom Brady and Gronk, now they make a trade and get one of these big four linemen. Good for them. Uh, so they get a tackle, and then the Niners, they stay they stay at 14 and draft uh, Javon Kinlaw, the big d- defensive tackle. Some people thought they would take a wide receiver here. They take the defensive tackle. Your thoughts, gentlemen? I love the way the 49ers played this, knowing that they wanted Kinlaw. And then looking at Tampa's roster and saying, though they have Indomitian Sue and Vita Vea, they're not going defensive tackle here. Hmm. So let's just pick up a free mid-round pick and get the same guy we were after. And on the flip side, brilliant. I I, I like that the Bucks got this guy. He, he's a good player, but the, it as it turned out, they didn't have to trade up for him. Well, maybe maybe the 49ers convinced them that someone else was moving up to that spot. You know, Lynch might say, "Oh, I've gotten one call to to get something." Who knows if he head faked him? It it couldn't have worked out more perfectly for the Bucks because they need a right tackle, and and they're going to play worse. They said at, at right tackle, and you know, unlike the the Browns pick, he doesn't have to move sides. He he seemed like the the safer, more pro ready, like pass protection guy, and they are in all in for two years with Tom Brady mode. So. The the Jets guy has a lot more upside. You don't have to change positions, but like this seemed like the safer pick because they just need to you know get it going for 2020. They, they can't wait around. A lot of people thought the Giants would go after Werfs way up at you know number four. So I I these love these guys know they, what they're talking about. These draft guys because that's right. what they said. They said there's really going to be no way to judge who's going to be taken out of those four guys because it's a complete like jumble in terms of who's the best guy, and that's exactly how it turned out. It seems. Yep. I'm with Greg, though. I think that maybe the Bucks felt that it wasn't that, oh, we think the, the Niners are going to take our, our tackle at all, but that someone else might have, and they had pinpointed him. And, you know, they showed Bruce Arians um, in his homestead, and he looks super chill and super pleased with what went down. So I don't think they have a problem, you know, giving away whatever, whatever it cost them to get up in that spot. I love this. Bucks offseason is insane. And, like, I, you know, I joke about that they're going to have nine primetime games, but... I can't think of a more fascinating um, 
team right now, and someone made a great point. Someone DM'd me and said, it's too bad they already picked Hard Knocks because this would never happen, but the Ooh. best Hard Knocks combo ever would be not the Chargers and the Rams, but the Patriots and the Bucks. That would be fascinating to watch. <laughs> Just Arians no combos. Arians and Arians and Brady would be great. Just in Gronk yeah. and that that would be fun. The the 49ers making this pick too. I like it when teams just like they make the same picks all the time. Like they're they're just into certain sort of players. Like Kinlaw is very much in their mold of defensive linemen that they take uh, a replacement for DeForest Buckner and then with their second pick that they traded back up into the round to get their receiver, they took Brandon Ayuk, who who's like exactly like all of their other receivers. He was the one guy I saw that I didn't quite get, but he's like just a he looks like a running back playing wide receiver, a run after the catch guy who's just like Hurd and Debo Samuel and like that. You know, they brought in Pierre Gosson, like Pierre Gosson wannabes, and they just keep taking the same guys over and over, and that's what they do. And you got to try to stop them. Well, the knock but, on Ayuk was that he only runs like three routes the same ones that all of Kyle Shanahan's wide receivers run. I mean, that guy schemes wide receivers open better than anybody, so I don't even know if route running's as important for mm. a 49ers receiver as it is for other teams. Um, mentioned Hard Knocks, by the way. I did broach it with our features editor, Ali Bunpuri, the idea of um, walking away from the Hard Knocks recaps this year as a, a sign of protest uh, with the de- decision to go with the two L.A. teams. Little pushback, so I'll keep you guys updated how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, but, I suspect his move. You know, I feel like is like, well, we can just have someone else write it. Well, that would be fine, but okay. that's not what he said initially. Okay, okay. Said, I don't know about that. Let's talk about this again after the draft. How would you feel, Dan, if you um you were allowed off the assignment and West just picked it up as his pet project in August? Be fine for you. Yeah, Dan's fine with this. <laughs> yeah, I would actually. I would. I you know, we we've heard Dan's takes on Hard Knocks. I would. I would like to hear Wes. Uh, well, <laughs> I've I've yet to survive past the third episode of any season of the show, so I doubt that would they want me on it. How dare you! All right, moving, moving on. Jerry Judy goes to the Denver Broncos with the fifteenth overall pick. John Elway really feeling himself in the shots of his fisherman's cabin, wherever the hell Johnny was but uh he got his wide receiver and um, he seemed very happy with the pick and considering Judy was the guy that some people thought would go first among the wide receivers uh getting him in the middle of the first round you understand why uh Mr. Elway was so pumped up well yeah he's he said after the draft that Judy was the number one guy on their board I don't know if that's clear whether he was talking wide receivers or overall but um I you know I'm a sucker for a Denver team and yeah. I, I love their offseason. This is the team of the West DL. This is I like that you're embracing it now, Wes. You know, well, after a well, little bit of pushback of the, at first. Both of the teams that burned me hard last year, the Cowboys and Broncos, I, I loved what they did in the draft. Uh, the Cowboys getting C.D. Lamb, a guy who Jerry Jones said was number six overall on their board. And I'm kind of interested to see what they would have done had he not been there. Hmm. It sounded like they were studying cornerbacks and may have gone in that direction. But back to the Broncos, I just I just really like their offseason. You pair him with Melvin Gordon. They picked up Graham Glasgow to solidify their offensive line, and, and they get Jarrell Casey and Chris – or not – um, A.J. Bouye on defense. I mean, Cor- I, I mean I, go, go ahead. ahead, Greg. Ooh. Well, we, we were due to do it. It's the old <laughs> yeah. go-ahead. It's the always old, Mark. It's the always old remote Mark. trick. <laughs> you do All it, right, Mark. Greg is you pointing at me. I just – I was convinced Denver – you know, and th- at this point – 
every single team in the league was whispered about as wanting to move up or down. So, I mean, it's all irrelevant. But I, I thought Denver was ripe and would have to move up to get this player. And there were a couple teams today where the perfect player fell to them without any movement. Yeah. I, I don't remember too many drafts like that where the lack of trade activity um, didn't leave me thinking that teams weren't aggressive enough just because of who landed in their laps. You yeah, know how you, you guys get annoyed with um, like the NFC East, the Giants and Cowboys getting too much love? My version of that is football pundits falling over themselves to compliment John Elway whenever possible. So another another big night for <laughs> it, for those people. It's back. It's back because uh, this team is fun. You know, you had the Broncos trading up in your mock, Mark. I know we'll get to that later for J- Jerry Judy. Right. Uh, but you're right. Like for him to be able to pair Judy with Cortland Sutton, that is a badass duo. Judy to me seemed like the highest upside and the safest guy. Cause like you just like watch him run routes. He's gonna, you know, make Matt, Matt Harmon, uh, go nuts. Like in a worst case scenario, like this guy can get open is going to be like a Stevie Johnson or San Antonio Holmes. And he could be, a, I don't know. He could be a lot better him and Sutton next to each other. It's like, it's not setting up for the drew. Well, drew locked outers like me, uh, very well. Cause he's just <laughs> like in a great situation. Well, he's still got to make the throws though. Yeah, I, I, you know that's another conversation. Well, it's not it's not a podcast without you throwing shade at Drew Locke. So I'm happy to hear <laughs> you made plenty of those throws actually, last year. I thought I'm too. not sure. even a no, doubter. No reason to have concerns there. I'm not even a doubter at all. I just want to see more. It was like five games that were that were good. They were fine. They were fine, and I think everybody knows it could go either way, but if you listen to this show on a weekly basis, it can only go poorly. <laughs> well, now he has we no excuses, Wes. The expectations are through the roof. For, Just saying, it might be back. might be smart. It might behoove Mr. Elway to have a backup plan. I agree with that. You've you got to get a better backup. All right. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons take A.J. Terrell out of Clemson, the cornerback at 16. I also I feel like we we dug into the draft a little harder this year as a podcast than we have in recent years, uh, and all of these things are lining up in terms of what we talked about. How the the we had heard the Falcons wanted to move up potentially to get into the Jeff Okuda sweepstakes. They needed a guy in, in their secondary uh, to replace Desmond Trufant. They get that in AJ Terrell or Terrell. Anybody? Terrell. It was as chalk a top sixteen picks I think as I've ever covered. I- Absolutely. It's the opposite of what everyone said, where it's like, oh, it's going to be crazy. No, it was was exactly how a lot of mock drafts look. And speaking of chalk, uh, at 18, the Dolphins get Austin Jackson. Everyone thought that they were going to get a tackle with uh, Tua on board, and they get Jackson, who is thought to be the next tier after those big four. But it was the pick in between that was interesting, because the Dallas Cowboys... Uh, they take C.D. Lamb, who in the minds of many in the uh, the Jets were mocked to C.D. Lamb by a lot of people, uh, myself included, at number 11. So he ends up being the third wide receiver off the board. And now, Chris Wessling, you have a situation uh, where the Dallas Cowboys, sometimes it feels like this, this organization is building a fantasy team to me, uh, because now you bring in another huge uh, target, uh, a talented uh, target, for Dak Prescott to work with, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, that is pretty good stuff with, of course, Zeke Elliott in the backfield. Oh, I love the pick. And um, I saw Daniel Jeremiah said something similar. He loves the fit, and it's a guy who can play inside or outside. They needed uh, a slot receiver with Randall Cobb leaving. Um, But I do think an interesting way to look at it is would they have signed Amari Cooper had they known C.D. Lamb would be available Mm. And and I think the answer is no. I don't. Really? I think they would have allocated the resources elsewhere if they knew they could get C.D. Lamb. 
But many it, people think is the best receiver in the draft. Isn't it better to have logic, both? right? Isn't it what? better to have have three great receivers? I feel sure, like you but need... is it also better to have two really good receivers and then fix fix another problem? Get a cornerback? I don't know. We, when we were talking about when Amari Cooper was headed toward free agency and there was this thought, what are the Cowboys going to do? Because they're in a bit of a bind financially, potentially, if they give this guy a huge contract and then they went and did that. The theory for letting him walk was then finding his replacement again, which happens in this league all the time, in our league, in the draft. So, yeah, that's exactly how it turned out. But they ended up paying him a trillion dollars. So they they are pretty set up there. This is a uh, this is going to be a loaded offense. And, you know, Dak Prescott, if he doesn't end up signing that long term deal, uh, it's going to be a really interesting uh, season with him because they're basically going to have I know the offensive line maybe isn't what it was, was a couple of years ago. But he will have as good a setup as anybody in the league, and he'll be expected to have a huge season, which will only put more pressure on him. It's an already a pressure-filled situation as quarterback. I think the, the there's also immense pressure on Mike McCarthy. Suddenly, I mean, you, he's mm. walked into you know, most first-year, mm. first, you know, you got, you got the home an, shoot, right? There you go. <laughs> Forget like, about I mean, it. How many coaches walk into a first-year situation with this kind of offense? I mean, usually you go in there because who was there before? led to a total train wreck, and you're walking into a bit of a rebuilding project. Mike McCarthy does not have many excuses for them to do anything less than go about 11-5 and five or 12-4. and four. But he's got the – I mean, at least offensively, he's got the players, you know. What about I, defensively? No, no I, I don't they, think they, they do. Could, they, I don't think they, they don't. do no. on defense. But it's a big win not for yet. Tom Pelissero. I mean, he puts out that feature, gets McCarthy hired, and McCarthy's going to have a revenge tour through this league. I mean, uh, Lamb, Lamb Cooper and and Gallup complement each other very well. That is like a like if if Lamb is who he's supposed to be. He was DJ's top receiver, kind of a run after the catch guy in the middle. I mean, that those three all fit together really nicely. Gallup had 1,100 yards, <laughs> right. 17 yards of reception, and six touchdowns last year. I mean, I, I get it, and I get the idea that C.D. Lamb has a, is a guy who can be a, a star, but was this a real position of need for the Cowboys in relation to other sports? other parts of their roster. I think it it's felt a, like it's a very that. Cowboys move. It's a very Jerry Jones move. He's taken I mean, a lot of the DNA of what they do. He's taken a lot of big names. Every year, take the best player available. We right. always say that. I mean, that's he, what pays off it. in the long run. It yeah. felt like that's right around where the draft got like, less uh, sexy, I guess, like where there was a big drop off in talent. They kind of took the last like big name and he's done. They've done that before with guys that for whatever reason have fallen in drafts and Jerry takes like the biggest name guy there is. Funny you should say that, Wes, because I mentioned, of course, Austin Jackson to the Dolphins. That was a pick for need. Then the Raiders have a supreme pick for need. They needed cornerback help. The best guys uh, were off the board. They take Damon Arnett at Ohio State. Uh, This is a guy that had been mocked. I think DJ said something crazy. Like he was like his like number fifteen cornerback. It was or it was something. Really surprising. He had him 59th overall. I did go check that just to, you know, try to stoke some NFL network analyst on analyst uh, heat, you know, and my winners and losers just saying like, uh, you know, Mayock versus Jeremiah. Who's going to be right here? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But uh, he was a guy that was expected to go tomorrow or even maybe uh, on Saturday. Instead, he goes at pick 19. So they the Raiders and the Mayock uh, Gruden regime surprised people last year when they took uh, Cleveland Farrell. Uh, early and that didn't work out so well at least as a rookie and now they have um, Arnett as their second uh, first rounder here and we'll see how that goes yeah I kept reading that 
he's basically a knucklehead. And then to hear he's Chris Carter's son, the son of a knucklehead. Chris Carter, well, who went to the Hall of Fame, but early in his career, uh, knuckleheaded his way out of Philadelphia. Come on, Wes. And, that, and almost, put some respect on that well, man. Best hand and boundary man of all absolutely, time. Absolutely, but he did work his way out of Philadelphia because of attitude yep. issues. And, I mean, this is wow. a player that almost, they talked about almost walking away from college football a year ago. So, I mean, uh, look, the, uh, the Seahawks have been celebrated for seeing things differently in the draft. Um, not that they've hit on all Not by picks, their fans but, lately, but yeah. No, but I'm saying, but early on, there, <laughs> yeah. that was an early staple of John Schneider was like, they're, they're going to zig when you think they're going to go in the other direction. And, and Mayock is proving to be a similar. And, you know, we'll, we'll tell. I mean, I don't really care what people think tonight about it. Um, they know a lot more about the player than most people it, that were shocked by the pick. Uh, so we'll see. In fairness to Chris Carter, he was an addict. He was a cocaine user and an alcoholic in those Eagles days. Well, that, he, I, he conquered call, those demons. That's fair. No, I'm saying it wasn't just like he was a knucklehead. He actually had a problem. With Generally, not what you want in a wide receiver, though. <laughs> I know. I just I thought it was a, a line. A, a line. One's like if you're like a, a Trumaine Johnson type guy. That's one type of knucklehead. Right. The other one is if you're actually dealing with some demons. Right. To Mark's point, like the the story that he he basically stopped showing up, you know, to school, but because he probably thought he was going to go pro, but. It, it wasn't really going to make sense last year. Um, that's one way to look at it. But by all accounts, like his number one attribute is his competitiveness, that he's like a dog that that DJ said, that's why he had him as high as he was, that he doesn't seem like overly talented, but he's insanely competitive, which is seemingly what Mayak keeps taking guys like that. Can we bring in Erica a second? Hey, Ricky, this is a primetime podcast. So th- yeah, I think it's fair to touch on some mature themes here. Yeah, uh, you had mentioned in the uh, messaging section of our setup here that your upstairs <laughs> neighbors are a little uh, busy, and it's a theme connected to this podcast. Because Mark, you had a similar thing with your uh, Motel Six room. Mm. Well, that's right. Yeah, I want to hear about the current situation. Though. What's the status right now? Yeah, current situation is I was like, I took my headphones off, and I was like, what the heck is that? Uh, there's a little bit of a uh, you know. You practice easy with the words here. We got to be safe still. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kids listening in cars. Your video yeah. was shaking a little. You thought there might have been another little aftershock, like an earthquake. hit. Yeah. I, like I was getting vibrations all the way down here. What was the on the Richter scale? What were the vibrations? Uh, it was it was loud and powerful enough that I had to take my headphones off being like, seven, what? five, well, yeah. seven, seven. Yeah. How Eight? long is the earthquake? Eight? How long was the earthquake Hello. going Hello. on for? It's been going for a while, but it. There's there's a couple questions that I have up in the air. It really? seems seems one sided. Mm. <laughs> oh, no, so I'm confused. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll report back if I can get any more information. Is that area of the building known for natural disasters? Yeah, one sided earthquake. But really? normally it's two sided. But the um, girlfriend's <laughs> car hasn't been in the garage for a long time, so think what, they... is that is that an expression or? <laughs> no, like I think they broke up. Like I, I think that the girlfriend is no longer in the in the picture. Mm. So, so this is new. new. Are you saying maybe it's just him up there? I, I, it just I only recognize one voice, and there's like no voices, no kind of. Uh, All right, we'll keep us updated. Okay, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't miss sharing walls with other people. Nor you know not. what I mean? Like that's one thing I I don't miss. There's something to look forward to, Ricky. When you get in your 30s, eventually you you will move on. Hopefully, even before your thirties, to a place with your own walls, and you don't have to worry about those things anymore. Because it was annoying. I mean, it's not a roommate. I just I happen to live in a building. Yeah, mm. 
Yeah. yeah it's like Cliff Kingsbury's not dealing with this issue. I mean, I maybe, bu- maybe he would be personally, but I mean, not, right. not through a wall. I lived above a bar uh, with a child on second Avenue. That was a bad idea. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, you know, that the Cliff Kingsbury thing is still sitting with me a little weird. That, I'm not saying it's like a, a bad thing. <sighs> he took that photo or like had someone take well, that photo. The, here's the only <laughs> so negative like, thing. I'm going to say, oh, what a flex by Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, but it's like, I don't know, man. And he's wearing his little like Versace loafers. Yep. Like, yeah, I want my football co- coaches with big guts. I want, you know, I don't want them looking like Bruce Arians. Like they haven't slept in seven months and what they live in a in year. I don't want you looking like you're out of a GQ ad, like GQ Arizona. How well, about, I'll just get better taste in interior decoration than other coaches do. I don't want I'll, my coaches I'll, to have good taste in interior decoration. No Kevin Stefanski, who's flat out hot. I mean, Kevin Stefanski is just a flat out an attractive man. I'll take that over a big tubby guy that's rolling around like a big barrel. How about Wait a second, but you love Freddie Kitchens, and he was basically the opposite side of this. I like. I'd like to go to a bar with Freddie Kitchens. I'm not. I don't. I think he hit the Peter principle pretty hard last year. Mm. How about um? What did you think of Belichick in his like sandals in Nantucket, uh, Nantucket Beach House that they showed him in tonight? Yawn. I love I how Mark, what like, it's like. Oh, let's just but you know, book it, book it to trade out of the first round. I mean, was it what were they? What was their plan this evening? Please, I just you love have how said at least a dozen times you found Bill Belichick to be an attractive man. I I think that <laughs> yes, we are all. I don't think he's about the '90s version, but well, that's fine. But I'm just saying that in in today's world, when we're looking at all these younger coaches, Bill Belichick's not doing it for me on the hotness scale. Um, I was just saying that, for 20 that, years that ago. sounds like what Dan wants out of a coach, though. You know, I was just going to say that I, I'm just so happy how irrelevant the Patriots are now. But, you know, now that I'm in my 40s, <laughs> I don't want to be petty like that anymore. So I'm not going to say it. Oh, you crossed that threshold today <laughs> yeah. alone. Okay. There's no, there's no way this could, uh, this could come back to bite you. It is like the most classic Patriots thing, though, to trade out of the first round in this Absolutely. draft. Absolutely. We talked about it. are not special anymore. Well, the to the point where, you know, we were all texting the entire show. None of us, when they traded out, none of us even texted each other because it's like snore every time. So that's what they do. Better. They have four third round picks. No one loves a third round pick. More it don't matter the anymore. And the Patriots. All right, let's move to uh, the 20s. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars take Caleb Von Chasen out of uh, LSU, outside linebacker. The Eagles. They do address the wide receiver position, which we are all demanding they did. We, I think we were all starting to get a little annoyed with the Eagles. Do something. Get somebody in there to help out. Our Colleen boy, was annoyed, yeah. Carson Wentz. Colleen actually saw the – she texted me, and Colleen's getting loose. She originally was maybe <laughs> going to be involved with today's show, but she was getting so loose and enjoying herself after a hard day's work. She did a great job um, in the, in the lead-up to the draft on NFL Network that, that I was like, don't worry about it, Connie. Just relax. But she was sent sending some texts during the draft, and she, she mentioned that she thought C.D. Lamb to the Cowboys was essentially Jared just d- raising two middle fingers at the Eagles. Yeah. That it just felt yeah. like that. That checks out to me. Uh, so the Eagles have to settle for Jalen Rager, who, by the way, from TCU, is a guy that people seem to really like. And uh, he, uh, he's, very, he's a quick receiver. He's a guy that knows how to get open. And, and damn it. Does Carson Wentz need a guy that knows how to get open and make some plays? I, I thought he was maybe the boomer bust guy of of uh, of that receiver group. Like, if you just put his ten best plays together, I think he might look like the the most explosive player in the draft. His, his return ability was insane. Like his deep 
volatility was insane. He had like bad quarterbacks around him, but there was concerns about whether, you know, he was that consistent a worker. His hands were a little up and down. Like there were a little bit of red flags where it looks like he's a boomer bus guy, but he reminds you a lot of Deshaun Jackson, except like 20 pounds bigger and can, and can jump and go out and get the ball. Felt like a swing for the fences type of pick, which is what we wanted out of them. The Laquan Treadwell season, I think it was the 2016 draft. When they, it was right around this time in the first round where I think three wideouts went in a row, uh, and I think did any of those three guys make it? Does anybody remember the, that that class? Uh, but it was a, it ended up being underwhelming. Uh, so we have uh, Rager goes to the Eagles, and then in twenty two, Justin Jefferson, the wideout, goes to the Vikings, who repl- replaced Stephon Diggs with a guy that um, led the NCAA. Um, in receptions last season. So the Vikings fill a need, and now these two guys are linked together, and we see we'll find out which of these two NFC teams picked the right guy. One note, those three receivers were Will Fuller, Josh Dotson, and Treadwell. Okay, so Fuller so two, is Two of the three, no thank you. Good one healthy. But the other mm. guys, yeah. The other guys have both been cut. Yeah, they right. did not work out. Anyway, so the may, – both very sensible decisions for the Eagles and Vikings here. I feel like that point about Rieger being boomer bust, that describes the whole Eagles wide receiver core. That mm. if Alshon Jeffrey comes back healthy, if Deshaun Jackson's not too old, and I forgot J.J. Ortega Whiteside is even on the roster. I mean, he looks... It was <laughs> only second one, rounder last year, right? It was right? only one year, but it was about as bad a year as, as you could have. Rick Spielman, the, the Vikings GM, sneaky pretty good in the draft over the years as, as Wes mentioned and getting Jefferson I mean, people thought he was probably uh, safer he does a lot of the same things as Adam Thielen like he, he's inside and then they get Gladney who's who's 31st who's like a total Mike Zimmer like slot cornerback you know feisty guy like great instincts and also seems like a safe pick it like seemed like two guys that could play for them right away for a team that that's in the mix I mean, Jefferson had 111 catches last year, which led the all of college football and dominated from the slot. So I like the pick for the Vikings. At 23, that was the Patriots spot, and Belichick trades out of it, and the Chargers slide in and take Kenneth Murray, an inside linebacker out of Oklahoma. The Chargers couldn't stop anybody on the ground last year, so this is a, a, hoping to address a need there. Murray, that is a, um area of expertise uh, and Greg, are you okay with the, the Pats moving out and doing the Pats thing? Or was this a year maybe you would have liked to see them be more aggressive in this round? No, I I like them doing what they've always done because it's just, I mean, it's what they do. They they got, they have four third round picks and they have, what, two? Do they have a second round? I think they have four third round picks, two or three fourth round picks and a second round pick. It's like, that's what they'll do. They, you knew there was they a giveaway. so many special teamers. It was like a giveaway. When so many Matt Slaters. Someone on... <laughs> Someone on the telecast said, like, and they think they're going to be able to take the same guy they would take at 37 that they were going to take at 23. So they're going to take some random dude no one's ever heard of. They might as well take him at 37. Ricky, how are you feeling? <laughs> After all the a traumatic, uh, you know, couple weeks or a month or so for Patriots fans, and now you don't even get a shiny toy under the Christmas tree. Get him tomorrow. I mean, they moved down 14 spots. All right, let's, Greg. Let's, let's, I, I want to hear Eric. I know. Well, she's muted right now, so I'm just buying time. Time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was exactly what Greg said. Like I rolled sure, my sure. eyes when it happened, but it I would have 
I don't know. I thought maybe something crazy would happen. It's, it's not just all the players in New England who are brainwashed. Look at the fans, too. Bill did a nice <laughs> job. I mean, if you're going to give first round picks to oh, be successful. Oh, we all wanted it. We didn't want a first round pick. We want More late round, round picks. picks. We want late round picks. I wonder if they wanted Jefferson. That did cost Pick number mind. 137 better than pick 23. <laughs> I mean, if, there, if there's ever going to so be a guy that you would just trust what's going on and not really oh, yeah. worry about it, why not? What the hell do I know? Logan Mankins was literally the least popular pick any, they've ever made. Late round better than first round. <laughs> I love it. was an impression. Um, uh, all right. Moving on. Bye, Ricky. Saints take Cesar Ruiz, a center out of Michigan. Nice job there. The Niners uh, from the Minnesota Vikings take nice job there. Yeah, well, you know, they, we talked about the Saints. They didn't. They don't have a glaring hole, so uh, they go and they get a, like a workmanlike center that I guess gives them depth. And I think they're gonna trade or cut Larry Warford, who who made the Pro Bowl last year. It shows you how worthless the Pro Bowl is. He's he, what a free agent after this season. He has a twelve million dollar cap figure, and apparently they weren't. They weren't thrilled with him. Mm, okay. The Niners, uh, they trade up to 25. Is that correct? Yep. They take Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, a wide receiver. Uh, any thoughts on that, gentlemen? Before I get to the next, the Rick Greg scale? touched on, on Yeah, him. we touched on him. Okay. Let's and then the, the, the late pick of the draft that kind of, uh, you know, got everybody titillated, the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> With the 26th pick in the draft, they trade up to take Jordan Love, quarterback, Utah State. And we talked about Jordan Love uh, in the f- past couple of weeks. Brian Gutekunst, the, the onions on this guy. He mm. makes the decision. It's the first time this has ever happened. A decision made with the post-Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers in mind. Mm. Wes. Isn't it funny how life works? Yeah, I went through all the cliches, like the tables have turned, the shoes on the other foot, what goes around comes around, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, Spider-Man meme, but Rogers got <laughs> farmed, and I'm like, I'm thinking f- Father Time is a b- <laughs> I mean, not just for Rogers, but the fact that I thought I was a young man when all that happened with with uh, Favre and Rodgers, and now it's happening to the same guy in the other way around. Mm. To me, it's like classic Greek theater. Like, How about to this, see Wes? The tempest that Rodgers is under now. It's happening to Rodgers later in his career than it happened when it was Favre. Favre was 35 when Rodgers came aboard, and, uh, and Aaron Rodgers is now 36. It, it is wild. I, I think that there is one difference here, that Favre was threatening retirement at that age. And Rodgers doesn't want anything to do with that. He, this is his team. Well, what is the what is the plan here? I, I it just feels like an incredibly disruptive um, pull of the trigger. <laughs> if you're if you've got a quarterback Duty. who's very right, I mean, quarter, Aaron Rodgers is is like nothing if not a little quirky. I mean, this does not feel like the guy that's gonna. No, we don't know. But it's not the first guy I'd pick in the power rankings of like coddling number one quarterback who wants to embrace um, young quarterback who's just been drafted in the first round after the team traded up for him. He, I mean, Rodgers put put Brett Favre on blast in a way and made it known that Favre was not a very good dude, dude to him. So let's see what kind of integrity Rodgers has now because we'll find right. out. It will leak if this is not a good relationship between these two guys. But then from Roger, in defense of Rodgers, I hate it. I mean – 
I hate it if I'm Aaron Rodgers. Like you gave me this huge contract. You you bring in this coach that's going to help me get back to the way I was. You get we get to the NFC title game. It's clear that we we need some pieces. And then instead of using your first round pick on uh, something that improves the roster in 2020, you take my replacement. Like I get why he would be super mad. Like it made me think of the Better Call Saul finale. Spoiler alert ahead. Uh, when Lalo sees that his Abuelita was uh, gunned down in the compound raid and you just see him angrily stalk off screen as the season ends. Aaron Rodgers is furious right now. Ooh. And he and, and you know all the beat guys are trying to get in touch with him and they want something on the record and maybe he says the right thing, maybe he says nothing at all, but he is furious and Ooh. I totally get it. Yeah, we got to get Bob McGinn back on the phone because I'd love to hear his thoughts <laughs> Bob on this. Bob was not talking about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he, we could have talked to Bob for 20 minutes about Aaron Rodgers. He wouldn't have said anything. He um he didn't they didn't just, you know, draft Rodgers' replacement like cuz he cuz he fell to him. They traded up for him. Traded up. They gave up a mid-round pick in this year's draft to go get him and they didn't just take anyone. They took the only guy in the last couple of drafts that can go on the field and maybe throw the ball as, as well as Aaron Rodgers, at least as hard, like who has maybe just like Aaron Rodgers compared. Aaron Rodgers would have been the only guy when Brett Favre was around that could have come in and actually been a physical match for him. Jordan Love is nothing if not like a physical freak. I think he's got a lot more red flags than Mahomes did, you know, coming into the league or, or Rodgers did coming into the league in terms of decision making and accuracy and all that. But like, his arm and his athleticism are outrageous. And you know, you know, it's going to make Rodgers up his game. And he's, he's has a lot of guaranteed money in the next couple of years in terms of like, they, they can't really get rid of, he's got to be there for two more years. And then, and then it gets crazy. Dan, you said that you would have hated this if you were Rodgers, but you're the first person I thought of. This is the kind of, this is the kind of drama that you can really enjoy. Sit back and, and enjoy. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to sink my teeth into this for it's three years. It's your birthday present from the Packers, and it it's is. a nice it's one. It's so much fun. I mean, that's what I love about sports, but especially covering the NFL on a daily basis, that it's all a soap opera, and the draft is a huge payoff. Uh, it's like a season finale in its own way. And this is, this is crazy. And Jordan Love, I, I wonder if Jordan Love is kind of bummed out right now because not only does he – the Packers are a great organization, but you're playing in Wisconsin. Uh, it's cold all the time and dark. And you're you're he's coming uh, from Utah. So, you know, uh, yeah, your teammate, <laughs> your teammate is Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, but a well-known kind of prickly personality who might be very unhappy about the situation. And on top of it, Aaron Rodgers is not going anywhere anytime soon. So there's a very good chance you could end up getting redshirted for at least two seasons. So that's that doesn't seem like a great situation for the kid. That said, that I mean, they always use Aaron Rodgers as the example of someone that was helped by sitting for a little while. Was he, though, or was he just stuck behind I, an all-time I, I'm great? just saying, I mean, you could look at Patrick Mahomes and say, if it's two years, that feels like a long time. But if if this thing progresses quick, more quickly, but it's one season or two, and you know he has a chance to learn, because I don't think he's a totally finished product right. based on what they say about him. I don't know if I hate that for, for love, but it is a weird, it's just a, the dynamic... The Packers created something that they did not need to create. They must love this guy. I mean, I find it amazingly uh, dramatic and sensational <laughs> from that angle. I love it. 
I think they must have. Uh, I, I thought the same thing as you, Dan. And they had Jordan Love on ESPN afterwards. Actually, he seemed elated, so he didn't he didn't betray any um, uh, anxiety about it. He no. seemed elated to be with them and to learn from. Well, Aaron he's a millionaire Rodgers. now too, he's right? Going it, in the first round, and he probably is a, a guy like they, it. Really was a luxury pick and like a rare opportunity that they must have thought because he seems like a guy who, if he's going to have any chance to take advantage of all that skills, like he really can't. He really does need to sit. For for a while, so it's great for him, and and you know, maybe uh, to your theory about Rogers and the Eye of the Tiger, who knows? Maybe, maybe they're trying to stoke the fires. Ooh, that's bit. interesting. I like that. I kind of maybe. doubt that, though, based on his reputation. You know, I don't know. I mean, what's an would... expensive? It's an expensive way to go. I mean, to, <laughs> right. that if that's what they're trying to do, there are other ways to get there. I mean, we have now reached a world where we need to check in on Aaron Rodgers' contract. See how much is how many more years are guaranteed? Uh, when they can get out of the deal? We are we have entered that phase now of his career in Green Bay, uh, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. You know the beat writers love it. They are. I'm looking at Rob Domofsky uh, of ESPN. <laughs> now Rogers will have to decide whether he will freeze out love or help him. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I do want to throw out. Someone actually asked him in the lead up to the draft on his normal radio show, uh, "What would you do if?" if they took a first round pick and he gave the perfect answer. He's like, well, of course you, you know, you'd rather, you know, you'd like to see the mad, but I would welcome, welcome anyone to the build him and help him out and whatever. So Roger he, said that. Roger said that. Yeah. He, he's he was on the record. <laughs> he is About a quarterback. He did. Yeah. I w- it was kind of amazing. I think it was Jason Wildy. I hope I'm not wrong who tweeted it out, but he had a long quote on, on a radio show from, from April talking about this exact scenario. I love it. As a Green Bay Packers, Ford Field, 65-yard Hail Mary to get Aaron Rodgers' eye of the tiger back. Ooh. Take a quarterback late Ooh. in the first round. Train Paint up a pretty to get picture. Him. Oh, this is going to be great. All right, let's uh, finish up the first round. Jordan Brooks, inside linebacker out of Texas Tech, goes to the Seahawks at 27 uh, at 20. Eight. Also, I wonder if the Packers needed to trade up to get Jordan Love. I guess uh, we'll never know. At 28, the Ravens take Patrick Queen, inside right. linebacker out of LSU. I feel like LSU, there's like 14 guys drafted out of that Alabama college. and LSU. Uh, at 29, the tit- Titans, Titans take Isaiah Wilson, a tackle out of Georgia. Uh, any thoughts on those picks, gentlemen? I think the Patrick Queen, and I, I anyone on defense that the Ravens drafted, I would just ticket for a rookie Pro Bowl year. Um, I think they're absolutely delighted that Patrick Queen fell to them. I had them taking uh, a different linebacker in, in my mock um, because I think it's a position of need, and I just tr- I can't think of a team in the league that I trust more to grow young players on defense. They do it over and over, so it's a great landing spot for Patrick Queen. I, I love that the Seahawks always take a guy that, that their fans and no one else has ever heard of. <laughs> like in the first round, like it's the twenty seventh pick. It's the Seahawks taking some guy you don't know. Uh, at thirty, <laughs> the Dolphins take a cornerback. I'm going to go for it. Noah Igbignagane nailed it. A cornerback out of Aub- Auburn. Uh, the Vikings take a cornerback. Jeff Gladney. We touched on both of those guys. And then the Chiefs in the final pick of oh, if we were doing sandwiches uh, uh, in this one, this would have killed. Anybody who said no running back gets taken in the first round because they take Clyde Edwards Hilaire out of LSU again. Uh, So they have, you know, the Chiefs have some depth back there running back, but maybe they needed a more dynamic guy that took place behind Patrick Mahomes. Uh, He joins a crew of Damian Williams, Darrell Williams, DeAndre Washington, 
Darwin Thompson. So we'll see how all that shakes out. But you know, as a first round pick, Clyde the Glide's going to get some run. The Chiefs are scary. I think the rest of the AFC, you're already checking under your bed for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid before you turn out the lights at night. Right. <laughs> and now you get a guy who looks like some unholy mashup of Darren Sproles and Priest Holmes. I mean, all they talk about is receiving ability, and he led the SEC in force missed tackles and yards after contact as a rusher. And 15 out of the 32 picks were SEC. I mean, that, that conference was loaded. He, That's he, one, go ahead, Mark. He was right. a, like an incredible, as you said, receiver. He's immediately going to be one of the higher-ranked fantasy football prospect like he's gonna be a top 30 fantasy pick at least if not like a top 15 or 20 because he's gonna be a Chiefs running back that catches 70 passes like it seems like such a a safe uh pick by the Chiefs that was one of my round one takeaways that these AFC West it's I'm I'm so happy to hear every the the kind of party line now is how are these teams in the AFC West how are they going to try to keep up and close the distance on the Chiefs it used to be the Patriots for 20 years and that was a very annoying thing to hear all the time now the Chiefs are that team that are the superpower the champion and the Chargers go get a quarterback they hope turns into a star at six the Raiders get a wide receiver with their first pick uh in rugs and then the Broncos get Jerry Judy so there's an idea here that we we the only chance we have to beat the Chiefs the way they're set up right now is to score points and we have a better chance of just getting to shootouts than trying to draft guys to stop what might be an unstoppable offense. Hmm. Doesn't it remind you of the Bill Pulley and Colts with Peyton Manning where they just yes. keep loading up on offense yep. every year? Like, it's let's just comparison. keep adding to our strengths. And this is Joseph Adai. You know, like, maybe it's not yeah. going to, like, wow you, but he's going to just be racking up yards and catches. They're going to be insane. All right, Mark. Uh, so that's the first round, and, and we're going to go through the rest of the draft on Saturday night. Uh, your mock draft, we've been talking about this last year. Uh, we, I called a soft launch last year's mock draft. Our goal here is to build you into a, an industry mainstay in this realm, a, a, a superpower, a guy that maybe, just maybe, we could spin off and maybe break off on our own and have maybe our own kind of website, and then you would have a whole section of the website as the draft insider, and all of a sudden we kind of have a portfolio for our website. Um, <laughs> so this was the big year. year Breaking two. some news here. And I think that I think that you had a really good – uh, year two, I, I I think it was great. The goal was nine, and we came very close to nine out of thirty-two. Yeah, I mean, we, after pick eighteen, I had eight, and I was feeling good. Um, although I will admit that um, when you get past eighteen, or you know, you're dealing with the back end of the these mocks, um, I couldn't have picked half of these people out of a lineup. Um, but at the same time, uh, you felt like you just had to hit one more. Uh, I I would say this: last year, I believe I got. Two, two right, uh, which oh, was absurd. Two out Terrible. of thirty-two. I believe that's what it was. That it was that. That I mean, I you, you're correctly predicting who's going to go in the first a round. A lot of but chalk not, this year. A lot of chalk. Right, this not year. with the right team. So here's the way I view it. I went from two to eight. Uh, that's a two times four is eight, uh, and I'll help you out with the math here. So next year, eight times four is thirty-two. <laughs> so next year is going to be absolute gold fever. Um, but I, you're, I, you're calling I, your shot. Perfect. Fever. You're going for well. 
That might not be. Yeah, I'm saying, you know, if it, if, if we're going to exponentially. You're going to be the GM of the Raiders if you do that. Exactly, exactly. So it's like, you know, the, the future is bright. This is not a two-year project. Like you said, um, this is going to become its own, uh, you know, money-making cottage industry inside this Sessler household. So Put it this it, here we are. Yeah, We needed growth in year two. We got it. Are we, we certain, got growth. Are we certain the mock draft's going to come back uh, as a uh, podcast next year at this point? No, we're not sure. But will your mock draft oh. return? <laughs> Yes, it will. Does is it going to keep well, getting its own episode? I don't know. But well, I we'll, would say there's a strong re. Uh, you know, if I have any any say in how the shows run at all, it will be returning. Well, it kind of um, didn't now, get its own episode this Gron- year. Yeah, Gronka retired and upstaged. <laughs> but if you want it, we said nine things correct. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to pull one of these old sandwich tricks where I'm trying to convince you that I got nine because oh, I got eight. Awesome that, this year. This was a but, great year. You throw in Gronk, that's nine. I'm just, just going to tell you that. Uh, but it is eight in terms of the draft, and I have to work on you know, maybe doing a little bit more homework where I don't fall totally off a cliff uh, over the last, what was it, 13 picks of, of round one, look where like you, you know, I went 0 for 13. Look so. what you just did for yourself. Congratulations. You just gave yourself more work next year. Well, you put two hours, hours into it this year. Set the bar yeah. in and I, outer space somewhere. I and I've not done this homework, but I'd like to. I just and I, you know, I'm not in c- competing with Daniel Jeremiah necessarily, but I just like to see. I'd like just to know. I mean, maybe he blew everyone out of the water. Ricky. How many did he get right, Ricky? Yo, how did how did DJ do? Did you tabulate that? I was looking at it, um, and I don't know the answer. Oh, cool, thanks. <laughs> I actually, you know, I did debate about an hour and a half ago, asking. I was like, is that something that a producer, if like. The host of, of the podcast asked his yes. producer to see how DJ did. And then I was like, no, she's going to think I'm a d-, so I'm not going to ask her to do it. But oh, then maybe please. she'll surprise me and maybe she will have done it, uh, but she didn't. Well, also, but, I, Dan, I don't. Dan, it's your birthday. I wasn't going to look at DJ's work. I would oh, never do no, that to fair. you. That is a good. That is a great. I'm not necessarily <laughs> looking to cook up another feud with a with a coworker at this point either. I would maybe you know tap the brakes on that for a bit because. I think it might ultimately have a negative impact on my um, okay. scenario here at NFL Network. So, okay. yeah. Any final I just did it. On, I just uh, did it while one. you were yapping. He got seven right. Oh, so good. You, you, unless, you know. Oh, no. Unless, seven? You know, I mean, uh, there, no. well, there's a margin for error here. I just, you know, I quickly looked, but I think he got seven. Yeah. Well, I don't he know does what this to tell for you. a living. I don't know what to tell you. I'm I mean, not going to dunk on Jeremiah on no, Twitter on this not. because I feel like that would be. Maybe a bridge too far. Well, and uh, I would, I would I really please ask the, the listeners. Maybe my thirties, I uh, don't do that either. I don't listeners think. settle down with uh, you know hitting DJ with this, or don't include, don't at me in it. A bridge too I far. I feel timeline. like a, him taking down. You know, he he just tried to take down your wardrobe on um, television last week. That's a lot more personal than some mock draft. Go for it. I know, but you know, hmm. you look how he dresses, and it's like, do I need to fire back at the guy who dresses like he's at Sunday service every day? I'm not going to do that. Look how mature you are at age 40. You are really a changed man. <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to do that. Um, all right. Any final thoughts? I would say this. I think I know that round one is, you know, there's no there's no slowing the hoopla train on on round one. I think day two is always more interesting. Round two, at least, is always more interesting for me. I think that there, and also so many, so many great players like come out of round two, you know that that we that we may not know that well today. But Nick Chubb came in round two. 
who would have known what you're getting out of that guy? I mean, so those are the, it's a great day. Those are the moves that really good teams, like the Jets, for instance, haven't had an all-pro drafted in the second round since Mark Gastineau. Teams that are run well, uh, that's where they really score because you're not paying them even at the top level of the rookie scale, and you got them under your team control, and they're a huge impact for your team. That's how you do it. And that's what I guess that's the Belichick thing. I like to approach the draft by pairing it with free agency and seeing which franchises might be transformed. And the off seasons that I'm really enjoying, the Buccaneers, Chargers, Cardinals, Bengals, Broncos, to me all look like five franchises that could be so much better in a year. And then I love what the 49ers and Chiefs have done coming off the Super Bowl to like yeah, you you lose DeForest Buckner, but you replace him with, with Ken Law. I mean, I feel like both those teams have done such a good job of not losing too much. They haven't lost any ground on the competition, really. Yeah, this this Friday of the draft and Saturday, to some extent, is, I think, saucier than normal because the running backs and the receivers, which, you know, ultimately guys like us are following a little bit more in the fantasy guys. It's it's a great group of guys still left. Like, I, I watch these running backs. I swear this running back class is awesome. Like if if these running backs were in the draft 15 years ago, there'd be four or five first rounders. It's just like a different way to look at the league. But then you look back a couple of years ago and Cook, Kamara, you know, Connor, who am I forgetting? Someone else uh, went in the middle rounds of that, uh, like in the second, third and fourth round. And they're all like Joe Mixon is another one I'm thinking of, like all in that draft. And they're all stars. And Cam Akers, I think you could throw in that mix. Jonathan Taylor, uh, maybe J.K. Dobbins I like a lot. And, like, these are guys who will step in right away and be factors. And there's a ton of receivers out there, too. So it seems like it's a more fun Friday than normal. Yep. A few things I loved. Uh, Roger Goodell's black denim jeans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice and casual in the basement. Comfortable. Got to like that. He he was TikToking with, uh, with Judy, by the way. So Nice. Very um, nice. I liked... What else did I like? Deion Sanders in the little uh, COVID-19 intro. He promised everything was going to be okay. He's like, everybody, he did. everything's going to be okay. And I was like, oh. I noticed that. He said, he, okay. I think he said, I promise you. He, he did say that with like a football field of a backyard behind him. And I just thought like, how many people are watching this? Like, yeah, it's it's fine with if you got a football field behind you that you <laughs> Like I, at first I had a lot of like uh, consternation and concern about the future of mankind and, and what's going to happen next. But then Deion Sanders promised me everything was going to be okay. So now I'm well, cool, you're in the clear happy about that. So that was another yep. birthday gift leadership. And uh, I like this quote from uh, the new Jets left tackle, Mekhi Becton. I've never been to New York. I know the Jets had Brett Favre in the past. I know they had LaDainian <laughs> Tomlinson in the past. Jets legends, Brett Favre and LaDainian Tomlinson. <laughs> well, He's not wrong. I hate to say it, but for like a 21-year-old, Dan, that, that, that's know. what they know. Yeah, that's, they're the but most even like a youngster, <laughs> Brett Favre, like most people that blinked, forgot about the Brett Favre New York yeah, Jets season. But yeah, it's on his radar. Good for him. All right. Did I mention the Dion thing? I'm really feeling good. You, yes, you, you, uh, you brought that up. I mean, he promised. I that do big white beard. I do feel you like we should we should give a little love to the Bengals that they got there. I know we we just went past and we kind of knew they're going to get Joe we Burrow, did. But, but good job, good job, Bengals. I mean, you just got a guy who's about as uh, if if someone can inspire some confidence in the Cincinnati faithful in that organization. Joe Burrow seems like that guy, and good for you guys because when the internet was dunking on Dave Gettleman for putting on um, a mask 
as the ESPN went to break at one point. I thought you guys would bring that up and make fun of him. But you know what? He's 69 years old. And uh, here was his quote, quote when asked about it. Well, I have a young IT fellow over here with me, and we're social distancing. Part of it is the mask. I'm fine. By the way, like what, a year removed from cancer? Right. Yeah, take I, a few precautions, the, Gettleman. I applaud that. Yeah. And the, and the Gettleman jabs are becoming tired. <laughs> Wes throwing a compliment at Gettleman in a big spot. I've complimented Gettleman a lot over the years. It's not until he decided to run the Giants like they were a 1948 team that I... Right, he was a podcast kept, favorite for a no, quite his, a bit of his time. His ultimate there. sin, let's be honest, was that he became the boss of the Giants. Not well, a, not I, a, not I a think favorite he, team around he, these parts. When he came in and lied about Eli that he hasn't lost a step <laughs> and he's every bit as good as he's always been, that really got him on my bad side. All right, I like the beginning part of the Gettleman conversation there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're right though, Wes. I forgot he's a cancer survivor, so even more so. How are you, by the way? You had a checkup recently. Uh, I did. I've got another one coming up uh, very soon. So, so far, so good. All my scans have been clean and I feel good. Beautiful. And All Lakeisha, right. how's the mobility? She's she's starting to feel she's entered a new stage where she's not like she's not enjoying her body as much as she did, you know, a few weeks ago. It's starting to she's be, she's a lot more fatigued. She just feels heavy. You know, you know how it is at the end. Yep, Peyton, like Peyton Manning when he was getting pressure near the end of his career, just dropping down. She she has a different walking style now, by necessity. Yep. Well, she, you're about a month away, right? I mean, and and she has we a are. human inside of her her body when she walks Full around. Time. So that's almost six pounds now. That human. yeah, that's wow. It's a lot to deal with. Well done. All right, <laughs> this pod will stand tomorrow, so you'll have plenty of time uh, to take it all in, and then we'll be back. Saturday evening uh, when round seven is complete and uh, we will recap the whole damn thing and also um, uh, share some winners and losers. So exciting. Dan, I want to play something for you, but before we get out of here. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Who's this? You'll see. (laughs) Who's this? (laughs) Birthday Zeus from beautiful Belfast in Northern Ireland. Dan, happy 40th from beautiful sunny Afghanistan. I hope that you and the rest of the heroes are staying isolated and safe from COVID, aka the biggest sea. Wow. Go Hawks. <laughs> Danny boy. Happy birthday, buddy. I just want to send a very special happy birthday shout out to the old Zeuser himself, Mr. Dan Hanses. I'm wishing you peace and prosperity in the year to come. Hey, they say 40's a new 30. Not bad. <laughs> Danny, happy birthday, Bruce. Hey, Dan, wishing you a happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday to Dan Hansis. There's nobody else in the world who could host the Around the NFL podcast in the way that you do. Hey, Dan, just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Just want to give a happy birthday to Dan. All the best to you and yours. Stay safe and go Hawks. Happy birthday, Dan. I wish all the happiness to you and your family during these times. And, of course, Sam Darnold as well. <laughs> Jesus, our literal mailman. Yes, I love Happy it. birthday. Love it. I've been listening since the beginning in 2013. You'll always be the young gun to me. I'm going to have a Tito's tonight in your honor. Cheers from DC. Hey, Dan. On behalf of all of New England and the handful of women who do listen to the show, happy birthday. Hey, Dan. Just wanted to say happy birthday. Got the big 4-0 going. This birthday's for Dan. <laughs> happy birthday from Ireland. 
best podcast in my mind. <laughs> and I just want to wish my birthday twin a happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thanks for all you do, Dan Hansis. Well done for making it big for us. Oh, Zusa, happy 40th all the way from Ghent in Belgium. <laughs> we'll pick you up by your puppy scruff. Happy birthday, Dan. You've always been my favorite of heroes. Happy birthday, Dan, from Bunkers in Finland. Dan, feliz cumpleaños desde México. Espero te la pases super bien. Un abrazo. You guys are keeping me sane through the pandemic, so happy 40th birthday. Girls do listen to football podcasts, too. Happy birthday, Dan. You're a legend, mate. Happy birthday. I want to thank you so much for everything you do. You bring joy to so many people's lives. 40 years old. Today, we are all just fans. Happy birthday, Zusa, from me and his anus. I'll pick you up by your birthday scruff. It's been 40 years since the world was graced with the Zeuser. Uh, happy birthday, man. Don't do anything that most of us wouldn't do. G'day, and happy birthday from Australia. Dan, did you know that the average lifespan of an American male is less than 80 years? <laughs> It's all downhill from now. Happy birthday, Dan. All right. You are a wonderful, kind, intelligent, funny, handsome human being. And I feel very lucky to know you and to have worked with you over the years. I hope you have a great day, and I'll see you soon. This is Dan. One of us, sir. Welcome to your 40s. I hope they don't suck. Oh, no, you're going to make me cry. You're making me cry on the internet. That was emotional. Whoa. That was very sweet. Look at the Tito's. Happy you birthday. One. That was so nice. Thank you, Erica, for putting that together. And thank you. And thank those you. were just a few. I mean, the, the amount that was sent in, Dan, it's overwhelming. You are Aww. you are such a special guy. And those uh, the females were actual listeners, not hired talent. Yeah, talents. no, I didn't I hire anyone. That's great. That's great. We That's love awesome. it. We love our female listeners and all, yep. all the blokes out there as well. That that was so nice. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm very happy to be doing what I do and being alive. And that is true. I did look it up, actually. The male life expectancy is 79. So <laughs> I love seeing so many different uh, looks and accents. I mean, what yeah. a wide variety we have as listeners. Interesting people. I love yes. seeing Zach Goldman, our, our former producer's look. I mean, he's he's on a whole nother one. It was beautiful. <laughs> and Erica not even threatened. Letting him uh, be on that reel was very nice. Although she put him video. second to last. She didn't want to give him like the closer, <laughs> you know. Let him close. Sydney also sent in um, a greeting. Yeah, it didn't make make the cut. Yeah, it didn't make the cut. Um, All right. Thank you for that. Thank you to all the listeners. And uh, thank you to everyone for listening. And we'll be back on Saturday. And I'm going to drink this Tito's right now in honor of all you fine people, uh, including my podcast mates. Love you guys. Drink two. This is Dan Hansa signing off for The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Old Boss, Ricky Hollywood, and all you people out there. Till Saturday night. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I think my battery's dead. With free battery testing and charging, we can help you get back on the road. Get in zone, so what if I need a new one? We have the right Duralast battery for you, only at AutoZone. Get in zone, and what about my old battery? We can recycle it right here at America's number one battery destination. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.